Loving, gracious Father, we thank and praise you for this beautiful evening, Father Lord. Thank you for bringing us once again to worship in your place, Father Lord, where your presence is, where we can gather together to praise you, to worship you, Father Lord, and at the same time, listen to your word. Lord, even as we meditate on a few verses, we pray that you will speak to us, Father Lord. You will enrich our hearts, Father Lord, our minds, and that we may go forth strengthened because you are with us, Father Lord. Thank you, Father, for everything. In Christ's most precious name we pray, amen. Thank you, Pastor, for the kind words of introduction. Um, okay, so this, the last time when I had to speak, it was on the youth. And when I came here, and like, and then evening services like how we have here, very few of us are here. I mean, I, I also don't attend evening services. So then I felt guilty because none of them were youth. But sometimes, and here today it's like senior citizens, again, we have few of them. Um, so I cannot bring back and say, okay, this word of God is only for the young people or the old people, but the word of God is for us, okay? So um, I just made a little thing a little different from what is there. I, when God says fruitfulness uh, of senior citizens, the journey starts right when we know Christ, whether we came to know Christ from the Sunday school or all across our journey or whatever age we came to know Christ. Okay, so I'm just going to kind of retitle it as Missing Milestones and Meeting Milestones. Okay, we have a very amazing example of Abraham missing milestones. Okay, I'll just, um, if you look at Abraham's life, his, um, he's mentioned first in Genesis chapter 11, and then in 12, he has the call of God. I go into it, like how often we have said or we have heard what things comes to our milestones. As a child is born, we have a couple of doctors here, a few of them, they would say at this point, the child should be like this, the child should turn, the child should roll over, and then the child should lift its head, walk, and, and then we, and all our life, all our life, we are measured by milestones, okay? Every point of our life Every turn of our life, we are measured on milestones. And we are always comparing each one of our journeys with the other person. So if a child doesn't walk or talk, why is the child not talking? Shouldn't the child have spoken by four or five? Five is too late for a child to talk. And then shouldn't the child be admitted already? Aren't you old enough to do this? We ask our children, aren't you old enough to hold a cup of glass when a child breaks? a chinaware or a glass, aren't you old enough? Shouldn't this have happened in your life by now? Shouldn't you be married? Shouldn't you be in college? I mean, like endless questions we have on our milestones, everyone around us measures by that. So we also kind of strive to do it. As parents or as grandparents, we want everything to happen perfectly for our children. The child finished school, he or she has to go into college the very next year, can't afford to miss a couple of months or a year, and then once that is done, the child has to take a job. It's like already preset. We cannot get out of that mold at all. We have to get a job, and then we have to marry, and then you have to buy a house, 
and you pay EMIs before 50, so you can live off well after 50, and so you have enough money to spend for your grandchildren. So it's like all that, like we have a lot of pressure. I mean, today in the modern world, and even at the time of Abraham. Okay, so if you look at Abraham, his journey starts, um, his journey starts in like an Abraham, like in Genesis 12. We hear of him as Abraham in Genesis 11, and he's one of the sons of Terah, and his brothers are Abraham, Nahor, and Haran. And as you read his journey, he's asked to move from Ur, and he's asked to go towards the promised land. But then he takes a pit stop, he stops in a place called Haran, or H-A-R-R-A-N, and in the 12th chapter, we find that God is promising him. At that time, also saying that I'm going to bless you, I'm going to make you a huge nation and everything. He's already 75 years old. And like from the rest of the passages, if you read, it seems that all of them, all the other families have already have children. They're like all well on with their own lives. And here you have Abraham and Sarai without a child at 75 years old. He has missed like a million milestones by now, okay? Everything probably, we don't know what the milestone was there because if you read later, Isaac got married only when he was 40. But today if someone marries at 40, you're gonna look down upon that person. What did that person wait for? Well, what happened? Is something wrong? Are they cursed? We have a million questions and sometimes subtly we ask those questions to our friends, our neighbors, our church people, sometimes absolutely thoughtlessly. But all with a good intention. We want everyone to be well, but we still ask those questions. So here, this is how it is for Abraham. Um, and then he travels, he gave, makes a stop in Haran, Abraham becomes rich, okay? You find that in 15 and 16, you find that he has a lot of gold, he has got a lot of silver, he has a lot of cattle, becomes a rich guy. But then there is a stop, but he still doesn't have a child. And again, God promises him, telling, you're gonna have a child, I'm gonna make you a great nation. Um, in chapter 15, he says, do not be afraid, I am your shield and your very great reward. And if you read in 15, he says, what Lord, I still don't have a child. The only person whom I can give my property away is to Eliezer, okay? God says, no, it's not going to be Eliezer, I'm gonna give you a child, so don't, don't worry about it. And then it says, he believed, and that is credited to him as righteousness. Sometimes in our lives, when we have a closer walk with God, God promises us things, okay? We have to believe. And that comes very difficult for us, okay? And that's one thing that he did, he believed. And if you read further, I mean, sometimes we do get promises from Lord and says, God says, I'm gonna take care of your child, I'm gonna take care of your grandchild. But then we also take things in our own hand. We try doing things, whatever we can. Because we have the same thing, you know, God helps those only who help themselves. I don't know where that came from. There are a million times when we can't help ourselves. There are situations, how much ever you struggle, we are not going to help ourselves. But then we need to realize or come back to God and say that, Lord, I cannot. You take care of everything. He's 86 when he has Ishmael. Okay? 
So Abraham and Sarai, they make the things, take things into their hand and they have a child. But then God says, yes, I'll bless him because you had him. I'll make him a great nation. He's also going to be like very powerful. Yes, we see them today also all around us. But still, that is not the promised child. And I'm going to make a covenant with a child you're going to have. Okay? And that happens. He's 75, 86. And he must have thought million times, when is it going to happen? You're saying every time God talks to him, he says, you're going, I'm going to make you as a sands of all across the sea. I'm going to make you as a stars. But I don't even have one child. But then it says, all over, his, it says he believed. And again, in chapter 17, he says, he makes a covenant. He makes like a solid promise and says to increase his numbers, I will make you fruitful. You will be the father of many nations. I will make nations out of you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant. I will give you possession of Canaan. If you, as you read the word of God, at every turn, God is saying, I will do this for you. Even if you read 17, it says, I am the Lord God Almighty. Walk before me and be perfect. Your job and my job is to walk before him and be perfect. And he says, I will make a covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. It's not like in small measures, like how we try measuring our lives. Is it about going to have probably two houses or three houses or a five cars or this or that? Like how we calculate our blessings is, again, very minuscule like compared to what God has plans for us. And everywhere God says, I will do, I will do. Okay? Like how a child sometimes trusts, I will buy you the toy when the time is right. I will do this for you. I will take you out. The child trusts. Yes, the child will go back, go two steps and come back and ask. I have a daughter. She will tell her we'll get her something. But every other day or every other two days, she'll come and ask, you told me this, when are you getting this for me? If we tell her like today, okay, we're going to take her out, when? How? Where are we going? What are we eating? The child makes plans on her own. And sometimes we also make a million plans of our own. But here is God saying, I will do this. I will do this. But we find it so difficult to step into that grace, into that promise of God, and just sit back. But can we? We can never sit still at all. We have, always have to be busy. Otherwise, we feel something's wrong with us. Imagine any time you relax, somebody relaxes after a whole day's of work, what are you doing now? Why are you sitting like this? And my son, like, I find him sometimes at the inopportune times of when he's having his phone. He says, till now I studied. Just when I want to take a break and look at the phone, you, you come and pounce on me. We are also pouncing on us, our children, our parents. Okay? We hear about young people. As they grow old, we say, they're so old. Why can't they listen to their children? Why can't they listen to the children and live with us? Or why can't they listen and do this? Why do they have to do all that? Okay? So there's always role reversals, no? As they grow old, we want them to, like, for a period, they, we feel that they are controlling us. And after a period, we feel that we have to control them. So 
So it's always a war of wills. And who wins, who loses, we never know. But in spite of all that, God says, I will give you everything. It's an everlasting covenant. If you read in verse uh, 8, um, it's an everlasting covenant. It means for you, for your children, and your children's children, till the coming of Christ. If you read again in chapter 15, God actually gives him a dark dream. He says, for 400 years, your children, your generation is going to be wandering. They're going to be in slavery. Yes, I have promised you, but he also tells what his plans are for them. Now imagine you're not even having a child yet, and God says you're going to have uh, children, and they're going to be a huge nation, but for 400 years, they're going to be messed around in their journey. When I wouldn't want to know my child getting messed around, having a miserable life, I don't want that. But then here, this is what God is telling Abraham. It must have been really difficult to know that his generation is going to suffer, but he also trusts in God because he says, I am making an everlasting covenant with you. It's not for today and for tomorrow. It's not just when I, I become a grand old lady, and, but till my generation after generation comes up. Okay? And then comes the part where we need to keep up part. And if you read verse 10, God asks them, they need to be circumcised. And it was a physical act of circumcision at that point. But if you read in Romans 2.29, it says, but he is Jew, which is only inwardly, and the circumcision is of the heart in the spirit, not in letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. Today, God looks for us a circumcision of our hearts, where our hearts are set right before him. And as he promises, if you read the rest of the passages we had today, it is Psalm 92. He says, I shall be anointed with fresh oil. The righteous will flourish like palm tree, grow like cedar in Lebanon, flourish in the course of the Lord. They shall bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat and flourishing because he is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. So your journey starts right from whatever age. We have one who is 15 or 14. We have a small child. So right from this age till they become old, till their hair grows gray. Oh, this is a little bit of color here. No, we do it. What I'm saying is whatever be your hair color, like now, yes, it's black and brown like how we have it. Auntie has a nice crown of gray hair, awesome hairstyle. Till that age, he says, I will take care of you. And if you see um, Isaiah 46, 3 and 4, he says, Hearken unto me, O house of Jacob, and all the remnant of the house of Israel, which are borne by me from the belly, which are carried from the womb, and even to your old age, I am he, and even to gray or hoary hairs will I carry you, I have made, I will bear, even I will carry and deliver you. I mean, God is like every third word he's saying, I will do it for you. But we find it so difficult to believe on that. I mean, I don't believe sometimes. I find that sometimes, how do I say, again, we go back to milestones. I feel that sometimes my child has not been able to do this for so many years. And I wonder what is going wrong. But then I, when I'm doing this verse, it says, it's the same promise for me. It's the same word for my children. And I need to trust him on that. That he'll be the same God till my children grow old. Till they also, whatever color they're going to choose in the middle of their lives, 
they're going to say that they should have the confidence saying that God is going to carry them because he has made them, because he will bear them, he will carry them, and he will deliver. So we have nothing to worry about. For us, we just have to step into that grace and chill out. Now, it seems unseemly, but that is what God wants us to do. And then if you read Isaiah chapter 63, verse 16, then we have doubts. What kind of doubts do we have? Sometimes we have grandparents who have been pastors or bishops. We might have parents who have been praying parents. But they prayed God led them. I am not like that. I don't pray as much. Or I am not up to the par of what spiritual level I should be. But then here it says, this is Judah's cry. You have, in Isaiah, you have promises or conversations talking about Israel and the Judah. Both the kingdoms are there and both of them are being spoken about. Here it says, doubtless the what our father, though Abraham be ignorant of us and Israel cannot acknowledge us not. Yes, I had a grandfather who is a priest, but he might not know me. Abraham doesn't know me in my journey of faith, nor does Israel, Israel or any of our church might not acknowledge us in your journey and my journey of faith. Sometimes you feel you're all alone. You're struggling, but then he says, Thou, O Lord, art our Father, our Redeemer. Thy name is from everlasting. We are thine. Here we have confidence. Because we are his. We are his children. We are God's children. We can like surely go and say that whether Abraham knows us, whether the father of faith knows us or not, or whether anybody acknowledges us or not, I have my rock and my redeemer with me. And if you read in Matthew, it says, you shall know them by fruits. And it's a journey of faith. Our faith, we become fruitful, and then we have fellowship with one another. There is freedom, there is friendship in Christ. That's where we see when Paul talks to, talks about to Philemon for Onesimus, he says, yet for love's sake, I rather beseech you being such as one as Paul, the aged. So he takes that, um, how do I say, the credit of his white hair and says, see, I'm old enough, give respect to my age at least for all the turmoils, take now also as prisoner of Jesus Christ to receive Onesimus, to receive him not as a servant, but above a servant, a brother beloved, receive him as myself. So our job does not start, stop like, okay, I am in faith, my children, it's no. We have to invest in other people's lives. Like how Paul invested in others' lives continually. And even at his old age, he is concerned about someone and saying, giving him to someone to take care of someone else. No? So the journey continues. It never ends till we meet him up on the golden shores. So right from your young age to the old age, he says, I will carry you, and I will do it. And he's in Proverbs, sometimes it may like that, how in Proverbs 13, 12 it says, hope differeth, deferred makes the heart sick, but when desire comes, it is a tree of life. Today we might have our own milestones missed out, our children's milestones missed out, or something missed out, something that might not have been fulfilled. But God says, and he says, I am the almighty God. He's like zealous God. He's a very zealous God. He's like super zealous about his children. 
That means he doesn't want you to go and mess around. He doesn't want you to go and try things for yourself. So it's like complete belief that he will do everything for me and that he might multiply our generations and wherever lives that we are investing in. Because there is freedom. Onesimus gets his freedom. The freedom that we get in Christ, we need to pass it on. So the fellowship, the friendship passes from generation to generation. And this is what God calls us. You see that he is a God who says, I will everywhere, all through the Bible, if you read Isaiah or Matthew or wherever, he says, I will do this for you. I will teach you. I will talk to you. I will teach your children. So today, if at all we feel that we have missed out on our milestones, if we feel that our things are not going according to the plans of what the world wants us to be, just we need to come back and say, like Abraham, I would like to believe and say that, yes, he will do it for me. He will do it for my children, for my grandchildren or great-grandchildren whom he might not see. But he is a God who is a God for all generations. And if you read in 59, Isaiah 59, towards the end, he says, your seed and your seed's seed for everlasting and forever. So we need to come into his presence, trust in him for that, believe in him for that, and we need to learn to chill out. We need to learn to take things slow. I was just, well, like, finally, I would like to say, I was watching a documentary which says, there are some parts of the world where people live beyond 100. Their normal life expectancy is beyond 100 because they have made their lives simpler. They have made their lives more relaxed, spending time with family and friends. So that lets us see that we are available for people who are old. If we are young, we make ourselves available for the old so that they have more fruitful years, that we might be blessed by them. Our grandparents are our blessings for our children. So that prayer continues. We let's pray for that, whether we are today as midlife people or in 20s or 30s. He's a God who says, I will take care of you till it becomes gray. Everywhere he says, that means from the birth till the end, we have an awesome God. So let us trust in him. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you for these words, Father Lord. You're an awesome God. You're a beautiful God. You're a wonderful God. A God who loves every one of us and who has done so much for us. A God who has taken care of us right from our wombs, Father Lord, until this day, until this very moment. Lord, we pray that we will trust ourselves into your care. Trust ourselves into the process where you're working in our lives, where you're changing things in our minds and our hearts, Father Lord to know you better, to understand you better, to know your will for us, Father Lord, in our lives, to be strong and bold because we are your children, because we are yours, we are thine. Whether Abraham knows us or Israel acknowledges us, Father Lord, you are our God, you are our Father. Let every person here go out with that strength, Father Lord. I have my Father God, the maker of the universe, the maker of the earth, the maker of all things that is beautiful is my God, is the God who promises to take care of me, my children, my children's children, and for generations to come. We trust you, Father Lord. We bless your holy name. We pray that we will go out with your strength this day. Bless our week, this coming week. Bless our going out, our coming, and preserve our souls, Father Lord.
from all things that might seem doubtful at this point, but help us to trust in you every day, every moment. We pray for our loved ones, near and far. We commit them into the same promise, Father Lord, that you are their God, a God who loves them, a God who will teach them, a God who will carry them, a God who will protect them, Father Lord. Be with us, Master, and help us to be still and know that you are God in our life. Help us to give all sovereignty to you and you alone, Father Lord. Thank you, Father, for everything. In Christ's most precious name we pray, amen.